From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch, your source for news and analysis on policy, politics, and culture. From a biblical perspective, I'm your host, Tony Perkins, and Washington Watch starts now. So how do you know that it's election time? Starting today, we're canceling student debt for borrowers who are enrolled in the SAFE plan and have been paying student loans for as little as 10 years. This builds on other progress I've made in canceling student debt for close to 4 million Americans through various actions. Yes, you guessed it. It's election time because President Biden announcing once again he's unilaterally canceling another $1.2 billion in student loans, bringing the total to $138 billion. So who's going to pay for this? Congressman Keith Self of Texas joins me in just a moment with the answer. A nationwide cell outage combined with a cyber attack on one of the biggest healthcare technology companies in the nation, Change Healthcare, has many asking what's going on. Now, these developments come days after FBI Director Christopher Wray warned of Beijing's efforts to covertly plant offensive malware inside U.S. critical infrastructure networks. These days, it's read something closer to a fever pitch. What we're seeing now is China's increasing build-out of offensive weapons within our critical infrastructure, poised to attack whenever Beijing decides the time is right. That was uh, Director Ray last week at the Munich Security Conference in Germany. The targets range from safe drinking water to air traffic control. We're going to be joined a little later by Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett, a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. A tragic story coming out of Oklahoma where a public school bathroom policy combined with this gender nonsense that is being pushed by Washington, D.C., by the Biden administration and advanced by some school officials led to an altercation in a girl's bathroom, which may be connected to the death of a girl who identified as non-binary. We'll explore the facts as we know them with FRC's Meg Kilgannon later on this edition of Washington Watch. And going back to knowing the signs of election time, Here's another indicator. Right now, the Speaker of the House in America is Mike Johnson, who is a vow, who is an avowed Christian nationalist. And he even overtly says that he takes his directions from God and that all legislation comes from God and not from the Constitution. Hmm. That was uh, Rob Reiner last week hawking his so-called documentary on Christian nationalism. I wonder where where Rob takes his direction from. Why is this term resurging as we move toward a do-or-die election for our nation? Well, we're going to talk about that later on this edition of Washington Watch. So I'm going to tell you, go ahead and, and call or text your friends. They need to hear what we're going to talk about later here on Washington Watch. From the halls of power to the front lines of cultural battles, Washington Watch is your platform for informed discussion and meaningful and insightful dialogue, all from a biblical perspective, so that you can stand up, speak up, and stay engaged. So let's navigate these important issues together. Well, President Biden, as I mentioned, announced a new handout at the expense of, yes, you guessed it, you, the taxpayer, yesterday with plans to bail out one2 a billion dollars in student loan debt. Now, despite the Supreme Court decision striking down the president's efforts last year, he's still attempting to force taxpayers to cover billions in debt. 
Now, with the 2024 election approaching, is President Biden campaigning, buying votes at your expense? Joining me now to discuss this, Congressman Keith Self. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Veterans Affairs Committee. He represents the 3rd Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Self, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Tony. Thank you. So given the legal slapdown the Supreme Court already delivered to the president last time he was doing this, is this more lawlessness from the Biden administration? Well, you said it right in your lead-in, Tony. He unilaterally is uh, forgiving this debt, supposedly forgiving, uh, which means he doesn't care what the law says, Congress. He doesn't care what the judiciary says, the Supreme Court. Uh, this And yes, of course, he's buying votes. Uh, but uh, the rest of the taxpayers, there is no forgiveness in this. Someone is going to pay these loans back. And now it's going to be you, the taxpayer. You know, Congressman, I was, I was reading the White House press release on this with the president, the statement of the White House on this yesterday. And, and I'm just going to quote from it. And I think the American people can see through this. The Biden-Harris administration has now approved nearly $138 billion in student debt cancellation for almost 3.9 million borrowers through more than two dozen executive actions. I mean, th- this sounds like a campaign uh, ad that we've done this, but they haven't done this. They're not paying for this. As you said, it's not not only the American people, it's actually the next generation that's paying this because this is adding to the three po- the, the already $34 trillion debt that we have. Well, Tony, he realizes it at one of his press conferences. He said, look, the Supreme Court blocked it, but they didn't stop me. So uh, he understands what he's doing. This is not under the uh, undercover. This is uh, wide open. The question I have is, when are the American people going to wake up to the fact that this Biden government picks winners and losers? And the losers in this case are the taxpayers. He goes on uh, in this statement from the White House, it goes on to say those borrowers will receive an email today from President Biden informing them of their imminent relief. Now, there are some limits uh, on this in terms of who gets it now. Um, but I, I want to ask you this, Congressman Self, if, if you had money that you owed the government through student loans and you're seeing all these uh, bailouts being rolled out, I mean, would you pay uh, your student loan, or would just wait for the government to bail you out as well? Of course not. You would wait for your turn. Uh, remember, the Supreme Court stopped $400 billion worth, so they're nickeling, diming it to death now. They're up to, what, $138 billion? And they will keep going until election time, because this is a overt buying of votes, Tony, overt. It's, it should be criminal. I mean, it, it looks criminal to me to be able to do this with taxpayer money. And I, I saw Secretary Miguel Cardona. He 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 uh, tweeted this out uh, or X'd it out, formerly known as Twitter, however you call the new one. He, he says, uh, if you've been paying your student debt for a decade, you've done your part and deserve relief. Today, we announce relief for over 153,000 more borrowers through SAVE, providing relief for over 3.9 million borrowers total. And he goes on to say, and we're not done yet. So, Congressman Self, I have a question. What if, I mean, could we possibly see the uh, the Biden IRS adopt this same view? After all, I've been paying taxes since I was 15 years old working at Sonic. Shouldn't I get some relief after all those decades of paying taxes? I, mean, I wouldn't hold your breath. 
uh, you're not part of those that they want to uh, promote. So uh, I wouldn't hold your breath. Uh, they're not going to do that for you. Uh, they're only going to do it for people that they want uh, in their camp, the Hunter Bidens of the world, these votes that they need. Uh, you you make your own way. You've made a success in your life. You've paid back every loan that you've ever had. You're not you're not in line for this, Tony. Hate to break it to you. Well, this brings up another question, Congressman Keith Self. Uh, we're moving into, I mean, the, the the final window here on the appropriations bills. The these temporary funding measures are going to expire in the next couple of weeks. One, the first week in uh, uh, March. The second, I think, is on the tenth of March. Is this going to factor in when, you know, the Democrats are pressing for, you know, more funding for government and you see money going out the windows that the Biden administration is pushing out like this? I would think this would harden the resolve of Republicans to say it's not going to be business as usual. Well, I hope it's not. I have signed on to a letter that says we need to go back to the caps uh, that we approved as a Congress months ago, which would actually cut. Uh, with the advanced appropriations, like $70 billion out of the, out of the uh, budget for this year. Uh, but we've got to do something to start cutting the budget. We can no longer afford the interest on the national debt. Uh, what we cannot do, Tony, is agree to another CR, another continuing resolution that would just continue the Pelosi-Schumer spending and the Pelosi-Schumer That's what we've got to guard against. Let me ask you about that, because I think, uh, if, if I read it correctly, in the letter from the Freedom Caucus, they said if we don't get these appropriations, the, there is a provision if a CR uh, goes throughout the whole period of the year, it actually triggers some cuts. I think about $100 billion, not, not, not a lot, but it does trigger some cuts. Is that, is that going to be acceptable if that occurs? Well, the, the cuts that they're talking about would be a cut, and nothing else has any cut in it. So this is the only chance we have left to get a cut this year. But what it would do is it would cap defense, and it would have major cuts in the non-defense discretionary spending. Uh, I'm happy with that. I like that. Uh, I don't know that that will uh, get through Congress, but it's a great idea if we want to have any opportunity of make any cuts whatsoever this Congress. I mean, I, I would think it's going to run into some difficulty. Obviously, with Democrats, uh, they're not going to support it. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, a two-seat margin in the House. And I would imagine that the defense hawks, uh, even on the Republican side, would be hesitant to support any type of uh, reduction in spending. Uh, you've got it. Uh, that's right. But this is our only opportunity. In but the fact of the matter is that defense would stay flat. And so we need to be looking at the next year. See, we already ought to be looking at our own budget for FY25. We're, what, almost five months into this fiscal year, and we haven't settled this yet? Right. Uh, let's settle. Get some cuts that we can get, and let's move into the discussion of FY25. So your best guess, based upon conversations uh, you've been having with your colleagues, where do you think this is going when Congress returns next week? I think we're probably looking at another continuing resolution, which will lose this entire year to Pelosi Schumer spending cuts. I wish that I had more uh, colleagues on the in the House of Representatives that would stand for cuts of any type, just some cuts, so we could start making the case to the American people that we are serious about cutting government spending. So, is that a 
a continuing resolution that goes through the course of the year, or is it just a short one just to kick the can down the road another month or two? It's a great question, Tony. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you are absolutely right, Congressman, that it is time that we look at our uh, fiscal house because it is not in order. It is, uh, and, and, and just, you know, by the president giving away this money, this should, again, steal the spines of Republicans to say enough is enough. Congressman Keith Self, always great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time uh, to join us today. You bet, Tony. Thank you so much. All right, Congressman Keith Self of uh, Texas, uh, it's going to be an interesting week next week uh, because the first measure, uh, there's two CRs, two, contempor- uh, two continuing resolutions, temporary funding bills that uh, expire uh, less than a week apart. I think there's a real possibility we may see a, a, a government shutdown and if agreement is not reached because it, I'm confident based upon my conversations with House leadership that there will be a line drawn over the border uh, because the border is wide open, making this nation uh, very vulnerable to attack. Uh, it is uh, creating chaos. And I think this, this stunt that the president pulled yesterday is going to factor into that as well. All right, don't go away. Uh, When we come back, we're going to be talking about what's happening with vital infrastructure. Cell phones down today. One of the uh, nation's largest medical technical networks also uh, out by cyber attack. Could the Chinese be behind this? We're going to talk with Congressman Tim Burchett next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. 
Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. All right, thousands of cell phone users were without service this morning uh, as multiple carriers reported outages, which uh, even affected 911 emergency services in many areas. And so, by the way, if you call me this morning, I didn't answer. That's probably why. So according to reports, the Federal Communications Commission, the FBI, and the Department of Homeland Security have investigations underway, but no details have been released. Also, one of the nation's largest healthcare technology companies experienced a cyber attack yesterday. They said it came from the outside, leading to delays in processing prescriptions. So the question is, has the vulnerability of our systems been exposed? Well, joining me now by phone, I think because of some technical difficulties. Congressman Tim Burchett, he serves on the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, also the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He represents the 2nd Congressional District of Tennessee. Congressman, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much. It's kind of ironic that we're having technical difficulties on a day when we're having technical difficulties. Yeah, well, we've got to be, be ready, ready for everything. We've, we've got, got the smoke, smoke signals, signals out back ready, too, too, just in case. So what do we know so far about today's outages? Not a whole lot other than it's a little unusual, Tony, in the fact that they've had, um, you know, we've had these solar flares, sunspots, if you will, type of situation in the past. And, you know, that's what they announced. And today they've announced that, and in fact, I believe the FBI is going to be investigating this or is currently investigating this as a, case of um, either espionage or some sort of hacking or some type of thing, which always brings to mind, is this the Chinese? Is this some of our enemies? And the, you know, and the way they operate is they'll do these little test runs to see how we, we operate. It's sort of like Ukraine. They're watching everything we do. They're watching our supply chains. They're watching our political movement. They're watching the country's uh, will for war. And this is the type of thing that they would pull to... Um, see if that makes sense to you to see how we would respond if they needed to go with a with an all-out shut which i'm I'm afraid they have uh they very much have the the capabilities of doing to us due to the fact that we have sold our souls to the chinese um with technology and computer chips as you know it's been reported that even some of our fighter aircraft um with the chinese 
there was talk that we could be able they could be able to shut some of those down if we were to enter into a conflict with China. So we we've really um, we're so compromised from the White House down. I'm afraid that this is this is very much a reality of our of our world today, and we need to get that begs the question: Why are we not producing in this country? So, so th- this, this could, could be, be like, like another, another test balloon, balloon uh, going, going across, across the country, country to see how we respond. One hundred percent. It's, it's interesting, interesting that last, last week, uh, actually last Thursday, Thursday in Munich, the FBI, FBI director was there, and he was warning about this very thing. He said that uh, Beijing's efforts to covertly plant offensive malware inside U.S. critical infrastructure covered everything from water systems to uh, aviation. Uh, so we're, we're watching them. He seems to be sounding the alarm I think they should be looking very closely, I would think, at China as possibly being behind this. Absolutely. That came to mind this morning when we were receiving notices that that this was going down. Um, They're the ones that are capable of doing it. They're the ones who have an agenda. They're the ones um, who who have um, complete control of this situation, I feel. And, And we're... We're in trouble if we're not careful. So, so Congressman uh, Burchett, you serve on the Foreign Affairs Committee, so you know a lot of the stuff that's happening around the world. H- how do we need to be prepared for this? I mean, you know, th- this could just be the tip of the iceberg as to their capabilities, as you've alluded to, even into our military aircraft. What does America need to be doing to be prepared to face off with what I believe is our greatest threat, and that is ch- communist China? Yes, sir. I, I think um, my survival instincts take over. Um, my dad was no World War II Marine. Of course, Mama and him both survived the Depression, and he was always prepared. Um, and we are not prepared as a nation. If we were to say if our food supply of electricity was cut off, if uh, they were able to do this on a um, large-scale situation what would happen we would our, our complete our system would completely shut down which in my opinion a lot of the people in Washington that is what they're trying to do to us financially now we've we've allowed the Chinese to invest in our farmland um, they, they own large amounts of property near our military bases this is not conspiracy theorists this is reality right they are in major areas of our food production and processing hence meat processing. Um, we passed all these incredibly strong laws under the guise of protecting Americans' health when what we've done is we've taken meat processing on a large percentage out of, out of, out of Americans' hands and put it in the hands of foreigners. It's, um, it's the old days where a, a big chain would come in and offer gasoline at a reduced price, cheaper than anybody else could even buy it at. And then they put everybody out of business. And everybody thinks, well, that's great. That's great savings. Well, then they go over there, rush over there, and put all their locals out of business and all all the locally owned businesses. And then what do they do? They raise the price up because they control that commodity. And that's exactly what we're seeing now. We need to demand from Congress. We've got laws that we're trying to pass that are bogged down because the reality is our national chambers of commerce, not your local chamber of commerce, that you know, that has, that greets new businesses coming down. But our National Chambers of Commerce, do you remember they endorsed, I think, 12 or 14 of some of Nancy Pelosi's closest allies in the 
in Congress. Right. These people are not pro-business. They're not pro-America. They're not pro-commerce. But they've allowed that to happen. It's the, you know, I hate to say the one-world government crowd. Right. The crowd that so, thinks they know a little bit better than we do how to manage our business, and they will tear us down to our to our core. Well, and they're, they're working at it. They're working hard at it. They're, they're, they're nonstop. Uh, Congressman, we're up against a break, but ultimately this is going to require a strong chief of executive who is willing to take on China and, and say, say yes, sir. This, this isn't going to happen on my watch. Right now we are completely compromised. Our military, I know today another Navy member of the Navy was, was busted for espionage, passing off plans to um, or computer information to a foreign. They haven't released which country right. it is, but I think it's pretty safe. Well, we'll it's already happened twice before with China. We're, we're going to leave it there, there Congressman. We're, we're, we're out, out of time, time up, against up against this break, break but, but We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk, talk soon. soon. Thanks, Thanks so much, much for joining us, Tim. Yes, sir. All right, folks, don't go away. More Washington Watch coming up right after this break. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Back to Washington Watch again, the website, TonyPerkins.com, resources there for you. Um, I just a reminder that uh, as uh, Congressman Burchett was talking about the, the threats that are out there, what's happening, should be a reminder to pray. We need to be praying. Folks, we need to be praying for our country. So much happening. But we, we uh, you know, as Jesus said in, in Luke 18, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So that's why we pray. We pray we're in the Word of God because we cannot, we cannot give up. We cannot be discouraged. Yes, there are things that happen that are discouraging, but we can't be discouraged. I mean, these stories like coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, Early this month, a 16-year-old 
high school student in Oklahoma who was confused about her gender and identified as non-binary was involved in an altercation in a school bathroom, which uh, there's not, not much is known about. It was only lasted a couple of minutes. Apparently, she had been uh, bullied by some other students, and uh, she went in the bathrooms, threw water on them or something, and they got into an altercation. Well, the police investigation revealed that the teenager's death was not death was not related to the injuries from the bathroom confrontation. They're still waiting on the toxicology report. Now, this announcement inflamed activists on the left who have previously seized on the death of this student to blame, well, to blame everything they don't like, from the Oklahoma law requiring individuals to use the bathroom that aligns with their biological sex, to conservative politicians and even conservative commentators. Joining me now to discuss this, Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies at the Family Research Council. Prior to coming to FRC, she served in the Department of Education during the Trump administration. Meg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. I'm sorry to be here to talk about such a sad topic, but it's always good to see you. Yeah, I, 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 and I want to talk about this from the standpoint of, you know, again, the, the story is, is evolving, but apparently the, the death was not related to the uh, altercation that took place at the school. But this type, these types of policies that are being pushed from Washington and embraced by many in the educational establishment that are liberal is, is putting, I mean, it, it's creating this conflict. It is creating these situations among children that unfortunately has some really bad outcomes. That's exactly right, Tony. It It is really just... Um, this story and the story of of um, the student, the the basketball team where the the girls forfeited the game because there was a trans player on the other team and the and the girls on the on the opposing team that forfeited were being injured. Like when when I first started speaking into this as a parent, when this happened in my school system way back in 2016, one of the things that all of us parents said at the time was kids are going to get hurt if you let right. if you pursue these policies children are going to be hurt and it is now just heartbreaking to see these cases where children are hurt by school policies that don't need to be in place. But they want to double down on the policies and say, no, we need more of these policies. Yes. That's why we're having these problems. No, you're having the problems because you're pursuing this this ideology that is nonsensical and is damaging and destructive. Now, just for the benefit of all of our viewers and listeners, so this girl, she was a girl. She was a biological girl, but she identified mm -hmm. as non-binary. What, what does that mean? So she was identifying as neither male nor female or floating back in between those two. You know, she's she's non-binary. She may not even – maybe some other gender involved, right? And, and what so, was – it was very difficult actually reading the stories and the articles about this because she chose a pronoun called uh, they and them. They. And so every yes. time when you're – I mean, there's certain things we learned in school about pronouns. When you see they and them, you're thinking there's multiple – and, and so right. it, it's very, very confusing. And I, and I will say, uh, for kids processing this, I, I would hate to have to, to be in school at 16 years old and be processing all of this, this gender garbage, what I'm going to call it. Yesterday, 
Uh, I was in Nashville flying back uh, to, from uh, the National Religious Broadcasters, and I was in the men's restroom well, before I got on the plane, and there was a woman in there. Now, I could tell she was a woman, and I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? Um, and, and, you know, I'm a little older than 16. I have the ability to process these situations a little better. I mean, we are forcing our kids into these situations that are explosive, dangerous, emotionally scarring. I mean, yes. these are the policies that the left is pushing. Right. And this this student uh, next, just like the the young woman um, and family who was featured at the State of the Family speech at FRC last year, uh, Sage, uh, she's she was living with her parent with her grandparents. She's not in her parents' home. I, b I believe both of her parents are deceased. Um, but so there, this, regardless of the situation, if she's living with her grandparents, is because she's experienced a lot of trauma. And as Gen Dr. Jennifer Bowens and Walt Heyer are always wanting to remind us, you know, this identity problem is the result of adverse childhood events, and it is a res trauma is at its root. Right. And so, um, to, you know, when you set up a school policy that creates the opportunity to have even more trauma, um, this is just irresponsible. There are uh, adults are running these schools, right. and they should be making different policy choices, and, right? Because we don't have to do things this way. And of course, the left is going to seize on this to bash, uh, you know, like political leaders in Oklahoma that passed bathroom measures to protect people in the bathrooms because and, parents and a, want them, right? Right? Because parents want this, right? So the, the last thing policymakers need to do is back away from common sense in protecting students both physically, mentally, and spiritually. Meg Kilgannon, great to see you. Thanks for stopping in. Thank you, Tony. Stick with us, folks. We're back with more after this. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. 
It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. Our word for today comes from Exodus 35. He has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and of the tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen and of the weaver, those who do every work and those whose design artistic works. You know, God gave the artisans the skill to do their work as they built the tabernacle. God's call and his gifting is not limited to what we would call the the ministry. Now, this reflects what Paul writes about doing our work as unto the Lord in the New Testament. All work done for the glory of God is a form of worship. This is the view at the heart of what has been called the Puritan work ethic. Work is a part of our worship of God. This is the secret sauce, if you will, to what made America the most prosperous nation on earth. But it flows from an understanding that religious freedom is not limited to worship on Sundays. It is a way of life for followers of Christ. We cannot and must not check our faith at the door of where we work, no matter where that might be. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, text BIBLE to 67742. That's BIBLE to 67742. Well, it's good to be back uh, behind the microphone after being up in Nashville for the National Religious Broadcasters as uh, Washington Watch received the TV Impact Award from National Religious Broadcasters. So thankful for our supporters that make this possible. We, we would not be on the air if it were not for folks like you all across this country that support us and our partners with the Family Research Council. You know, we don't sell ads. We are not... Uh, We don't get government money. We are sponsored by our partners, our listeners. And I want to thank our listeners and viewers for uh, helping us spread this message all across the country. So I do want to encourage you to invite your friends to tune in and watch. Uh, We've got some exciting news coming up about some expanded reach of Washington Watch, but I'll share that for another time. While I was at uh, NRB, we released our Hostility Against Churches report, which shows that the hostile actions toward churches more than doubled last year between 2022 and 2023. Now, you can actually get a free copy of this report. Simply text CHURCH to 67742. That's the word CHURCH 
to 67742. You need to be aware of this, all right? Not, not to be fearful. I'm not fearful about it. Um, but we need to know the environment in which we live so that we can counter it with the love of Jesus and with the truth. Now, there is a reason. There is a reason that this hostility is on the rise. The idea is that America was a uh, uh, born as a white Christian nation, and these people are virulent about returning to that, and they'll do it at any means necessary, including and up to including violence. And we saw this happen uh, on January 6th in America. All right, that was Rob Reiner again hawking his, uh, his documentary, God and Country. It's all about Christian nationalism. Now, some of you might... Notice he's a little familiar. Some of you older folks out there might remember all in the family. He was Meathead. Very appropriate name. Now, what's this all about? What's it all about? You know, all this Christian nationalism. What's it about? Well, several things. But the most important for the left is voter suppression. Right? This is what this is about. It's about, in part, not, not, not in totality, but in part, a large part of it, that's why it's rolled out at election time. This is about voter suppression. They want to intimidate you into first not acknowledging that you are a follower of Christ who actually believes the Bible. They want you to feel embarrassed about the fact that you believe the Word of God is true and that it gives guidance to our lives. They do. That's what they, they, they find that uh, offensive. They want you to go silent about your faith. You know what Jesus said? If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father who is in heaven. You don't want that to happen, do you? I know I don't. I'm not going to be intimidated by those on the left who want us to go silent about our faith because they're hostile to it, because they don't believe in it. That, that's not going to shut me up. Now, but let me, let me say this. We're to speak the truth in love. Paul writes that in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you, you know, you have to say, say it softly, although that helps. What it means is that out of, we're speaking out of a redemptive heart. Okay, we're not, I'm not on this program trying to win a debate with the left. Although I will say, you know, it doesn't happen often anymore. They don't want to debate, but I actually like a, a good debate every now and then. But I, we, we're to speak the truth out of love, meaning that we want to see men and women and children to come to know the truth. And so that's why we speak it. We speak it out of a redemptive heart. We want them to come to experience the freedom that can only be found in Christ. So they want you to go silent about your faith. And guess what happens? When you go silent, other people don't hear. Yeah, it has eternal consequences. Then, secondly, they want to discourage you from voting. Now, that's the nationalism part, all right? You're a Christian nationalist. You know, that, that just sounds eerie. If you vote based upon biblical values, that is, life is sacred, marriage is between a man and a woman, and sexual relations are de designed for that relationship just described, then you are a Christian nationalist. If you believe that public schools are indoctrinating children with the left's godless propaganda, well, then you're a Christian nationalist. At least that's what they want you to believe. It was interesting. This is a coordinated effort by the legacy media. Now, I think it was Monday. The top story of the Associated Press was this. And I'm just going to read through it. What does it mean to claim that 
the U.S. is a Christian nation, and what does the Constitution say? Now, this all it flows into the Christian nationalist label. Well, yeah, it's a good question. The concept, and, and I'm going to quote here. I'll tell you when I'm not quoting. The concept means different things to different people, and historians say that while the issue is complex, the founding documents prioritize religious freedom and do not create a Christian nation. Does the U.S. Constitution establish Christianity as official religion? Their answer, no. What does the Constitution say about religion? And then they go on to quote uh, Article 6, no religious tests shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Um, why did they have that in there? Uh, let, me, let me go to the First Amendment. They quote the First Amendment here. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, why did they have that in there? Why did they have this no qualification of religious test? Because there were differences at the state level. The, the, the states actually required religious tests because the states had different den denominational affiliations within the Protestant and the Catholic Church. Now, it goes on. Of course, it, it does acknowledge that after the 14th Amendment uh, was ratified after the Civil War, that all of these provisions were then imposed upon the states. So going back to the article, what does it mean to say America is a Christian nation? It depends on whom you ask. Some believe God worked to bring European Christians to America in the 1600s and secure their independence in the 1700s. Some take the Puritan settlers at their word that they were forming a covenant with God. Well, why wouldn't we take them at their word? I mean, why, why would we not? I mean, let's look at let's look at what some of them had to say in this. Um, the Pilgrims, all right, they were here from the start. The Mayflower Compact, in the name of God, we whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of a dread sovereign, Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, defender of the faith, having undertaken for the glory of God advancement of the Christian faith in honor of our king and country, avoids to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another covenant and combine ourselves together in a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation of furtherance of the ends aforesaid. And then after, you know, toward the end of William Bradford's life, as he, as he wrote, and William Bradford had been the governor of Plymouth, he wrote a Plymouth plantation. He wrote kind of what was the motivation for these pilgrims to come to this country, half of them die the first year, and they didn't give up. This is what he wrote. A great hope and inward zeal they had for laying some good foundation, or at least to make some way there unto, for the propagating and advancing, advancing the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in these remote parts of the world. Yea, though they should be but even stepping stones unto others or the performing of so great a work. And I could go on. I could quote from uh, all of the, the founding documents from the colonies, their charters. I mean, there's some common elements that we find in all of the, the 13, pretty much all 13 colonies. Um, they were not revolutionary documents. They, they, God is acknowledged as the king and the sovereign. Uh, the purpose of coming to America was to advance the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible was accepted standard for orderly conduct. They saw themselves in covenant with God and with each other. They acknowledged that their future depended upon their faithfulness to God. Even the first president of the United States, 
when he took his oath of office, he went, this is what he said in his inaugural address right after he took his, his oath. In, uh, this is what he said, quote, it would be particularly improper to omit in this first official act my fervent supplications to, the, to that almighty being who rules over the universe, who presides in the councils of nations and whose providential aids can supply every human defect, that his benediction may consecrate to the liberties and happiness of the people of the United States a government instituted by themselves for these essential purposes. And, and he goes on. Uh, and, and we see this over and over. So, yes, America has a Christian foundation. And then it goes on in this article, say, what about the, the founders? Were they all Christian? No, they weren't all Christian. Now, they had a Judeo-Christian ethic worldview, if you will, to a certain degree. And you can see it in their writings. America was founded on biblical principles. You see it even in our Constitution. They point to the Constitution and say, ah, oh, there's nothing in the Constitution about God. Well, uh, you look at the Declaration of Independence, it clearly makes reference to God. But in the Constitution, we see a couple of references. They're inferences. For one, when a bill would, be, um, would come to the president, it says he has so many days to sign it or uh, veto it, or it becomes law, except on Sunday. Sundays were excluded as a day of rest. wonder where that came from. And then at the end, uh, when it uh, dates the Constitution, it says, let me just read it here, done in convention by the unanimous consent of the states present the 17th day of September in the year of our Lord, 1787, of independence of the United States of America. In the year of our Lord. So there was an acknowledgement that God was essential, and his word was fundamental to the success in the future of our nation. I mean, you look at what the founders had to say. John Adams, signer of the Declaration of Independence, the general, quote, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. And I avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. And, and, it, and it goes, I mean, it just goes on, founder after founder, recognizing that this nation would only succeed if it were aligned with the truth and the Word of God. Now, you hear mixed in with this Christian nationalism and Christian nation that we're a theocracy or that we're trying to achieve a theocracy. Nothing could be further from the truth. A theocracy is when what the Old Testament Israel had. When God was the sovereign, the king, there was no king, there was no prime minister, there's no president. We, we don't have that, and nothing has ever been attempted at that. We're a nation built upon biblical principles. Now, the left doesn't like that because that acknowledges that there's an authority higher than themselves. And that's the rebellious heart of man. But when a nation aligns itself with God and his word and his truth, guess what? His blessing follows upon it. And we've, we've seen that in the history of our nation. And the further we move away from those principles, 
the further we move from the blessing of God. So what are we to do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. We're to pray, we're to vote, and we're to stand. We're to pray for our nation. Our nation is in trouble. You, you hear that every, each and every day on this program. And I'm not bringing you this information to, to frighten you or to create anxiety, uh, you know, to have you reaching for the, uh, the medicine cabinet. Like I'm sharing with this so you can be informed in your prayers so that you will know what's going on and you can take the appropriate action. And we need to pray. We need to be in the Word of God. That's why I invite you to be in this daily journey as we walk through the Word and see how God has worked in the lives of nations and men before. But then we need to vote. Folks, I'm going to tell you, this election is absolutely critical. This is a do-or-die election. And that's why all the knives are out. In fact, just a few moments ago, I just got a text from the House Speaker. You know, he's being attacked again in Politico for a message that he shared with his colleagues about the spiritual battle that we're in in this nation. We're in a spiritual battle. We've got to pray, and we've got to vote for men and women who understand that and know that and are willing to stand for truth, biblical truth, unafraid of the names and the attacks that would come from the left. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to shrink back from that. And I hope and pray that you won't either. Until next time. I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, who says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.